Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Land Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, August 20th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin. Let's weigh in. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for joining us tonight. Tonight represents two shows left remaining after tonight before the start of college football season. We have tonight, of course, Sunday night, and next Wednesday night. Next Wednesday's show will be the show just before the start of the college football season, kickoff South Carolina hosting the Texas A&M Aggies. So we're here. All this drama all the long off-season, the dog days of summer, you blink your eye. Here we are. College football is going to be going strong. The NFL preseason currently going on as we speak. So it's here. I mean, where is everybody? I want to hear some people fired up tonight, talking about their team, talking about what the predictions are of their team. Tonight's kind of a free show, um, as Ryan Fowler said, a free-for-all show. So we're going to have a free-for-all show tonight where you can – Come in, say what you want to say, as long as you want to say it, leave. So tonight we're not previewing any teams, but I will let you know that Sunday evening we will be previewing the Auburn Tigers out of the SEC and the Florida State Seminoles. The teams that made the championship last year will be on our minds Sunday evening. It's going to be a great show. Hopefully we'll have a few experts calling in to – uh, to weigh in with us and let us know about these two teams. Some teams aren't very high on – some people aren't very high on Auburn this year uh, because of their schedule, but eh, I'm not ready to buy that just yet. So we will see Florida State trying to repeat. Now they're the hunted instead of the hunter, really. We'll see how Jameis Winston does after a tumultuous off season. Um, the, the crab legs, the alleged rape still going up, you know, people talking about that. So where's Florida State going to end up with a weak schedule? They lost a lot, but since they won it last year, there has to be a number one team. And Alabama lost a lot of players, as we talked about on Sunday evening show. I'm not sold on them all the way just yet. I need to see what's going to happen. But tonight, call in 646-716-5564. I will go as long as you want tonight or as short as you want tonight. It's up to the callers tonight. I, I went into work very early this morning. So if I don't get a lot of callers, I'm going to be out tonight. So it's up to y'all, 646-716-5564. And let's talk about in the NFL, Johnny Manziel. It was breaking news today, this morning, I believe, that Johnny Manziel will not be the starter for the Cleveland Browns. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, the maturity factor that we looked at with Johnny Manziel is just not there. What what surprises me is that people are surprised that Johnny Manziel is flipping people off. I mean, did that surprise you? And 
And we're going to bring in uh, Mr. Senor Cuervo. Uh, he's from That Being Said, and he does on campus with Cuervo. Big NFL and college football fan like myself here. Cuervo, welcome to the show. How has your week been? What's up, Tarvin? I've been good, man. How, uh, how's your week? You know, it's been tough, but every day I make it closer and closer to the start of college football season, Cuervo. So, I mean, I can't complain right now. Two weeks. Two weeks as of tomorrow. So, yeah, there's really not a whole lot to complain about. So it's one week tomorrow. Is it next week? Oh, you're right. Yeah. It is next week. Yeah, I, I I didn't even realize how late in the month it was. And then your Tennessee Volunteers play on a Sunday night against Utah State prime time. Everybody will be watching your Volunteers. I'm excited to see, you know, how they look. You never know, Cuervo, how a team can do. But did you see Manziel? Uh, was it Monday Night Football playing against the Redskins? Flipping off the Redskins, I guess, out of his frustration. They're trash-talking him a little bit. He can't handle it. He's not ready to be a leader just yet in the NFL. Yeah, the bird is the word in Cleveland, Harvin. The bird is the word, so that's what everyone's talking about is the bird. But, you know, I mean, we, we, we saw him after his his joke of a suspension. He came back, and that's when the money that's when the money sign started. For those that might have forgotten, it was, it was in the second half of that game against Rice. And, um, you know, that we haven't looked back from that since then. And ever since then, it's just, it's always been, you know, every time he gets, every chance he gets, he takes shots at people. And for someone that's young, and, and not age-wise, but I'm talking football-wise, so young in his career, uh, only two years in college, I mean, he, if you really think about it, Tarvin, he's played two years and two games at a, at a, you know, let's just say at a competitive level. I'm sorry, high school, is it is what it is, but I'm talking at a, a true competitive level. He's only played two years and two games of true competitive football, and for that little of experience, the guy talks a big game. And I'm going to tell you what, Tarvin, he hasn't backed it up one bit yet. Has not backed it up. Yeah, and the closest thing he plays to an NFL defense in two years that he played in college, the LSU Tigers, both years, Cuervo, they shut him down. And when I look at LSU's defensive style, their size, the way they their scheme, that's an NFL defense, and they have no problem at all shutting Johnny Manziel down. Where a lot of teams did, they didn't have the athletes that LSU had. Well, the NFL's full of them. Wait, repeat. Say that question one more time, Tarvin. I didn't, I didn't catch everything. Now, I guess LSU, you know, he struggled both years in college, and those, that team reminds me of an NFL franchise, really, the way they're made right. up. And so every week he's going to be playing in LSU. So he could be in trouble. Right, and and oh, and by the way, he's 0-2 against those uh, in those two years against the LSU Tigers. So, you know, I mean, you and Dave and I was uh, at the gym earlier, and they were showing comparisons of you know him running around doing his dance, doing his magic, 
whatever you want to call it. Um, like they showed that they showed the uh, the play, the Peach Bowl game against Duke, that play where he like jumped into the pile and jumped back down and threw the touchdown, and, and then they showed him against the um, uh, the first game against I think it was Detroit, and they gobbled him up for what was it two yard gain maybe is that. So, I mean, right there, that tells you all the difference is just the intelligence, the speed of the NFL compared to even college. It's not even close. So, you know, and, and people are starting to wonder now, and I knew it was going to happen eventually. Oh, all that partying he did, maybe that's why he's playing so bad in the preseason. No, it's just because he's immature. Even if he didn't do all that partying, he's just – He's just, mentally, he's not very mature, and I think he's got a lot of growing up to do, a lot of learning to do. So that, that's well, my Cleveland opinion. made the right decision, Clairvo, by announcing this, and it kind of lets the team know Cleveland Browns understand that in order to be the quarterback for Cleveland, they don't care about your talent right now. They need a leader, someone that's not out flipping people off, someone that can keep their head when things are hitting the fan, you know, and Cleveland made a smart decision. The, the dumb decision Cleveland made was drafting him, I think. But at least they're they're getting it right right now. So, how long is Johnny Manziel going to be second string? Will he ever uh, make it to that first string level? I mean, I think I think eventually, if let's say the Browns start off, I don't know, zero and five, zero and six, and you know they go into their bye week, I think. I think the coach has a little bit of thinking to do. I'm not, I'm not going to say by any means it's going to be a no-brainer. You got to throw Manziel in there. I mean, I think when it comes to Manziel, that it's really a it's a project, it's a process with him. Even if they start out 0 and 6 and the kid is still going out partying with Justin Bieber, I don't think you make the change. I really don't. I think you have no choice. You either either start or keep Hoyer in there, or hell, to even to even make Manziel feel more, you know, more bad. Throw Rex Grossman in there. They just signed Rex, Rex Grossman last week. You throw him in there. Make make the point that look, dude, you are not ready. You are not ready. And he even said it himself that he's not ready. But I don't think he understands on what level he's not ready. He's not ready in any aspect of the mind when it comes to, when you talk about quarterbacks, leadership-wise, uh, just overall talent, his his knowledge of the playbook, his maturity, all those things equal not ready. It's not just one thing that makes him not ready. It's a combination of things, Carson. Yeah. So. Even if Hoyer is having a terrible first five games, I I guarantee you they're going to consider Grossman before they even consider Manziel. Well, Cleveland, I mean, the fans out there and people are are making this like it's news, like it shocked them. And like I said early in the show, it's it's not a shock to me at all that Johnny Manziel's acting selfish and acting like a spoiled brat. So what did we expect? Did we expect... Johnny Manziel, the guy that parties all off season and, and never obeys authority, respects authority, to come in and obviously 
you know, be a leader and be a quarterback. You know, this is preseason, but you you played like you practiced. In the offseason, Johnny Manziel played a lot. He played out in the clubs, acting like a kid, and now it's time to perform. And I don't care who you are. You have to be mature to be in the NFL and be a successful quarterback. Johnny Manziel, he's not talented enough, Cuervo, to be able to get away with that. He needs his brain. He needs his work ethic to – to come into play here, and they're not here. And until that happens, he's going to be riding the pine in Cleveland. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying, Tarvin. You know, everybody everybody saying, oh, well, you know, they're not starting him. Oh, just because he went out and partied a couple times. Oh, you need to give him a second chance. Like, okay, you know, shut up. Just shut up. You're you're the idiot fans, and that's why the Browns keep continuing to be the Browns because. They listen to the dumb fans like you that know, know nothing about running an NFL franchise. And it's a, like I said, Harvin, it's a combination of things as to why Manziel is not ready. And we didn't need him to come out and say that he's not ready to realize that. Like, you could see it. I mean, a blind man could see it, that he was not ready to go that he was just not ready for the gig. He's not mature enough. He's not talented enough. Uh, hell, he's not even – I mean, physically, he's not big enough. I mean, what do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers defense in week one would do to him? They'd eat that boy alive, and they'd make him regret taking the starting job. So, I mean, there's so many ways. That, I mean, there's you can look at it from so many different ways as to – why he's not ready, and if, if you don't see that, then obviously you don't know how to, you know, and not that I'm a, you know, I do it for a living, but just as a, you know, as a fan, you can tell that he's not ready to go. Just somebody that watches, you know, football. Yeah, speaking of, you know, not undisciplined in the NFL, the Detroit Lions, Nick Fairley, uh, gets the move to second string because he sat on his fat ass and ate all summer and uh, didn't do anything. He looks like a bum, Cuervo, and I saw pictures of Nick Fairley. He looks like a big, fat bum that's lazy. I mean, tell me somebody that's going to make millions of dollars in the summer. What are you doing, Cuervo? Are you sitting around? Are you working out trying to be better? That's why That's why Nick Fairley's a, a flash in the pan, really. He had that one good year at Auburn where he, he got paid off that. That's it. Now he's lazy. He's got enough money probably to last him the rest of his life, and, and now he can sit around and eat his Cheetos. Oh, right, and it looks like that's what he did. How much – I mean, how big is he? Like, what is he weighing at? Did, they, did, did that come out? Like, is anybody, like, reported or – And what's it – what was he? What was the claim? Weight at like two eighty five? He's supposed to be at three oh five. Well, I think he's three hundred is ideal weight. His ideal weight is three oh five. So he's ten pounds so he, overweight right now to play at the position, and that's still pretty big. Three oh five. I'm thinking two ninety sure. would be an ideal size. But I mean, all summer, you know, all you have to do is is wake up once or twice a week you know, jog a little bit, do some kind of exercises, some weight training. I mean, if you paid me millions of dollars a year, Cuervo, and I didn't have to work, and my job was to train and play NFL football, that's what I would do. I mean, I would wake up every morning, work out, I'd be in great shape. I just don't get how this guy 
can can turn into Kool-Aid all of a sudden in the offseason. Harvey, let me ask you a question. So, in your opinion, when it comes to people like you and I, you know, we work, we work uh, you know, in quote-unquote nine-to-five and things like that, when it comes to going to the gym, when it comes to working out, when it comes to staying in shape, what's the number one reason, excuse, whatever you want to call it, that we don't dedicate ourselves to doing that, in your opinion? I'm what is the busy. number one? I'm, I'm too busy, right? Time. Yeah, I'm too the busy. The time. Time. There you go. Time. So, with that being said, if I had millions of dollars, like Nick Fairley does, I don't think time would be any type of excuse whatsoever. So, I, I wish he would come out and say that he didn't have time to get in shape because it would be the biggest joke that I've ever heard in my life. If I had his money, I hire, and this is what a lot of players do because they're smart and they manage their money, they manage their time. Hire yourself a personal chef that'll that'll make healthy meals, and and, and it's not like you have to cut weight down, but you know, eat healthy enough to where you're not gaining 20 pounds over the off season, and work out. I mean, what else do you have to do in the off season? You, your job is to stay in shape and play football. I mean, my God, how easy is that? How easy is that? But you got lazy-minded people that want to use no time as an excuse. I mean, last time I checked, the kid's not married with five kids, so don't come at me with this no time excuse. I think it's ridiculous. The, kid, the kid's just completely lazy. He's taking the money he's making for granted. He, taking life for granted. You know, he's going to be one of them guys, Tarvin. He's going to be a statistic where, you know, guys that, that make, you know, $30, 40000000 million and don't have a penny to show for it once, once they're out of the league. And I'm going to tell you, Cuervo, Nick Fairley is a very nice guy. I mean, he really is. A, you, you think he's, you know, he plays like a dirty thug, people say, and he takes cheap shots off the field. Nick Fairley is a is a good person, and that's what bothers me a little bit. You look at Auburn. I mean, he he was explosive, Cuervo. I mean, he he had something on his mind. He had a reason to come out there to get that first round money, and that and that's what he did. And that's what disappoints me and discourages me. And and this is, I'm looking in the mirror. Sometimes success makes you stagnant. You don't. You're like, well, what do I really have to work for anymore. You got to keep driving, setting goals higher and higher. He'll lose that weight to get back down, but maybe we'll we'll see the true Nick Fairley this year and next year when he comes back into camp. I guarantee you, the Detroit Lions won't allow him to to come back in overweight. But it's just one of those guys. This guy could be a, a game changer, man. I mean, he if he puts his mind to it and he's he's actually trying, he's engaged. You can't stop him, Cuervo. I've, I've seen it firsthand. You've seen it on TV. There's no team in the SEC can block him. He was dominating. They were double, yep. triple teaming him. It's still getting to the quarterback. So what's it going to take for Nick Fairley to to get there again? Yeah, you know, I didn't he uh, didn't he get a safety against Oregon in the national title game? Um, Wasn't it him? I believe. If, if I remember, well, it was, no, he stopped him on the goal line. He did. Personally, they were at the one-yard line trying to score, and he stopped them like three straight times. 
That's what it was. Okay, I knew it had something to do with some sort of goal line play, or or, and I thought I thought it was a safety, but it was the other way around. So he stopped Oregon from scoring, which is still impressive because you know Oregon's their offense is no joke, and it wasn't no joke back then when they made it to the national title game. So yeah. I mean, that's just well, he won right the there. Iron Bowl for, he won the Iron Bowl for Auburn that year. He won the LSU game for Auburn that year. I mean, every game Auburn was close in, Nick Fairley made a play. The Clemson game that came down to the wire, the Mississippi State game. To me, and everybody talks about Cam Newton, Cuervo, Nick Fairley was the MVP that season to me for what he did, how, how the defense was so bad that the only bright spot was Nick Fairley. And and you're talking about one player single-handedly kept a team in a ball game. And it was amazing. I mean, I love Nick Fairley, and I always will. I'm just disappointed that this guy has a chance to be one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL if he works hard. And, see, that's the difference, Cuervo. When you get to the NFL, talent ain't enough. It's just not enough in the NFL. You have to be a grown man. These guys come to work every day. They come to feed their family, to pay their bills, to hurt people. Right. That's what they do. And, and and Nick Fairley is not even close to that level yet. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, not just that, but, um, you know, you, you just mentioned, you know, talent. Um, yeah, I mean, talent is enough when you get to the NFL. However, the key is maintaining that talent. And in order to maintain that talent, you have to keep your body in shape. You have to continue to find ways to improve your game. And Nick Farrelly's gotten away from that, is from what you know what it sounds like to me. He's not maintaining the talent level that that he that he's had in the past. And a lot of players think, well, you know, it'll just continue to be good for me. Life will always be good. I don't have to really change much. I don't have to really put much effort into it. But you guys don't understand, as, as the years go by, that your body breaks down and you have to work that much harder. And, and you know what? The, the, the best example I can think of, you look at a guy like Jerry Rice who was still running hills at 35 years old, that's why nobody's ever going to come close. Not, I mean, no one will even sniff any of the receiving records that that man has. Because at 35, this dude was still outrunning a younger Terrell Owens, a younger, um, you know, these younger guys that he was playing with, outrunning these guys, making them look dumb. And that's the dedication and the effort that Jerry Rice put into being, you know, the great. I don't even think it's arguable. He's the greatest receiver who ever, you know, put on, uh, you know, shoulder pads and helmets. So, and that's why nobody will ever come close to his records because he, he that dedication that he put into being great. Exactly, and Nick Fairley, if you're listening out there, I know, I know you're probably out there listening to this show as we speak. Drop the Doritos right now. Go to the gym. Get in shape, baby. I want to see you out there with the Detroit Lions uh, sacking the Cuervo Chicago Bears this season. So get out there. No, no, yeah, well, well, slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Leave leave Cutler alone. He can he can beat up on Bridgewater and Aaron Rodgers all he wants. You leave all you right, leave well, Jay alone. <laughs> 
All right, we'll leave him alone. But some other big news that happened that came out uh, this week, actually, I believe Monday night, Cuervo, Braxton Miller, the quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes, torn labrum out for the season. I mean, if you're an Ohio State fan right now, how how disappointed are you? That's just like Auburn right now, getting information that Nick Marshall's out for the season. I mean, that that, that pretty much tells you that, guess what? you're not going to be in the playoffs before the season even starts. Tell me what you think about Braxton Miller. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely a huge blow for Ohio State. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I'll be honest with you. I think they'll be fine. I really do. I think Ohio State's going to be fine. It's not going to hinder their season at all. I, I really don't think it will. Um sure. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about an Urban Meyer team that you know recruits quarterbacks like you know like he's like it's going out of style. I mean, the guy's got quarterbacks for days. So Ohio State's going to be fine. They're going to be fine. So yeah, the only reason I would even remotely agree with you on this is because um, just because their schedule. That's, that's what I'll tell you. And, and I'll, hold on, I want to tell you what Vegas thinks about this. I just saw a link, and I haven't read it yet, but it says Ohio State's odds sink. And I just want to see what Vegas thinks about this. Because if you look at the schedule, it's not whether they can win all their games that they play. I mean, hell, Cuervo, I could be their quarterback and go 11-1 and probably in that regular season. But after the loss, uh, Ohio State was downgraded from a 12-1 to to eighteen to one, and then actually down to forty to one, and some have them fifty to one. So you're at twelve to one. Now you're at fifty to one. That's a that's a huge drop off. And I don't think it's it's actually Cuervo as much as winning the games in front of them. It's once once the the season's over with. Just say Ohio State wins the Big Ten, and they're undefeated. I don't think they have enough credibility without Braxton Miller to think that they could beat an SEC, a Pac-12 team, somebody like that that just dominates football. That's the problem. That's going to be the problem right there. It's the perception yeah. of Ohio State. Yeah, I, and 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 I and I'll 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 roll with you on that one because can they still make it to the 14 playoff? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I fully feel like they can. Now, when they get there, and if they have to play an LSU, an Alabama, an Auburn, um, you know, uh, who, whatever SEC team is rolling at the time, they're going to get crushed. Bottom line, they're going to get crushed because not only not only of the fact that Miller's not there, but the uh, the backup, who I believe is a, a redshirted freshman, that guy's going to be. He's going to be scared out of his mind. He's going to, he's going to be, you know, and, and I don't like to use profanity on, on blog talk radio. The, the kid's going to shit his pants is, is what it comes down to. He really is because, you know, you, you, yeah, you face the Michigan State. By the time he'll be already through uh, getting killed by Michigan State, but the SEC is a whole other level, Tarvin. You and I know that, and it's not even – that's not even Homer talk. That's realistic talk. All right, Michigan State's defense is good, but they're not. They're not LSU good. They're not Alabama good. They're not Auburn good. They're not Georgia, Florida. I mean, those those defenses produce 
an average of five NFL draft picks per year. So, you, you know, you're it's a whole other level. I, I think only maybe one or two Michigan State guys got drafted this year. You know, Alabama had three in the first round, I think. So, come on, you kidding me? The guy, the guy's gonna be scared to death. So, but if you still look at their odds, though, Cuervo, you look at to make just say if they're fifty to one to make the playoffs. I mean, remember they play in the Big Ten, and the talent around that quarterback all over that field. If somehow they could just put together something, it doesn't mean they're a top fourteen because they go undefeated, win the Big Ten. But if you put a hundred dollars down, you can win five grand. If Ohio State made the 14 playoffs, so hey, if you're out there right now and you want some odds, that could be a good bet. But I initially had Ohio State pegged as a Final Four team in my playoff Cuervo, but now that's not going to happen anymore because I don't know. I just I just don't think they can go undefeated. Really, I think somebody's going to get them. Anytime you have a freshman playing quarterback. It's just tough. But you're right. Urban Meyer does do a good job of recruiting and developing his quarterback, but uh, I don't know. But but you talk about taking the pressure off Ohio State. Before, there's a lot of pressure on them. They're expected to win the Big Ten and to make the Final Four. Now without Braxton Miller, maybe they can relax a little bit and breathe and play the underdog role and relish it. That's a possibility. Yeah, you know, I mean, it sounds great and all, Um but you really, I mean, you have to really believe it. And maybe with a coach like Urban Meyer, who obviously had, you know, a lot of success in the SEC, um, you know, he might get his players to buy in. However, um, I just, I just don't know if the players are really going to believe that. You know, um, I don't know. I, I just. It's it's just it's you and I both know Tarvin. It's a whole nother level when you're playing an SEC team, you know, in all aspects of the game. They're they're faster, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, you know. And, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, once you're on the field against against those teams, you know, there's not like, hey, can um, can you guys just kind of slow it down a little bit? Um, you know, we'd appreciate it. Nah, no, this is this is you know. It's big boy football, so. Well, well, Cuervo, you, you heard what Colin Coward said about Auburn versus Ohio State, didn't you? Auburn versus Ohio State? Yeah. No. He, he, was, he, was comparing them. He, he was comparing them, and he said, if Ohio State thinks they can beat a team in the SEC like Auburn, they're they're miles apart right now. He said Auburn would put 100 on them and just beat them <laughs> to death. And it was, it was funny how all the callers would call in and argue with him, but it's what Cuervo is trying to tell everybody in here is the talent level. When you're playing big boy football in the SEC compared to up there in the the slow 10, then that's what Cuervo is trying to say. We see it in national championship games when Ohio State played. We see it any time, really, the SEC matches up with the Big Ten. It's just a mismatch. The athlete, the speed, the coaching. And Cuervo, uh, not to jump off this subject real quick, but have you noticed that the penalties in the preseason in the NFL have gone up a ton? Oh my God! I mean, yeah, a ton. I think that's an understatement. It's, it's. I mean, they're putting. You know, what we've we've had thirty three games. They're. I mean, we're talking about 
60 games worth of penalties into 33 games or something. Some ridiculous number. I mean, it's it's a damn joke. I mean, what is the what is the point in calling all these damn penalties? I, I get you're trying to make a point and whatnot. However, um, you know, there's there is such thing as taking it too far. So, well, well Cuervo, but, you remember they they came up with a new penalty now where they're monitoring, they're flagging people for profanity and and uh, homophobic slurs towards people. Has that been an impact so far? And I believe we just lost Cuervo. Uh, he'll be back in in a minute. But uh, it sounds to me that, that Cuervo was frustrated with all the penalties in the NFL. And I think what people forget, these officials come out. They're in training, too. And what they're trying to do is send a loud and clear message to these players. If you want to take control of something, do it in the preseasons where the players and the coaches and the fans can adjust to it, and they will. Um, you won't see as ma- you will not see as many penalties called during the regular season games as you're seeing now. This is a chance. These officials, they're trying to earn their spot. They're trying to to get the rust off. Really, it's hard being an official. You come out from being off a year, and then you you come back in. You're trying to you're 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 looking for things in the preseason that you're not used to seeing anymore, so your your eyes are wide open, you're throwing the flags. But the homophobic language, the slurs, the the profanity, the trash talk towards each other, that's where it gets tricky because an official, when you talk about point-shaving games and crooked officials in the game, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard the language that's used in a football game when they're playing. It's bad. So what, what's going to prevent an official that wants a certain team to win to to throw a flag and say, well, I heard, uh, you know, a homophobic slur over there, slur over here, so I'm going to throw the flag and, and penalize this team. That's what worries me. I think the NFL, they have the right intentions, but they're just going about it the wrong way. You, you don't get rid of it by doing it the way they're doing it. We're trying to clean up football, and it's the less the officials – or notice, the better. I mean, it's almost like the replacement officials that time. Everybody's eyes were on the replacement officials uh, looking at everything they did. Well, that's what it's going to be like now. Everybody's going to be watching these officials to see what they do. The point of an official, the best official out there, is to, to be invisible, to be nobody knows who you are. That way, at the end of the game, they're like, hey, was there any officials? As an official myself, the biggest compliment I could ever receive from anyone is to to say, well, hey, Blue, I didn't even know you were out there. And that's a great compliment because it's about the players in between the lines playing the game, the coaches calling the game. And that's what people forget about. These officials out there are getting noticed right now. They're trying to send messages early to try to deter any of this activity from happening. Hopefully by the start of the season it will cut down a little bit, but I'm sorry. You're not going to get profanity and homophobic slurs and things of that nature out of the NFL overnight. You can flag it all you want to. People in the heat of the moment, they're going to say what they want to say, and it's it's a violent game and it's a vulgar game. And when you start hearing the language in there, so people, and it's this world we live in today, it's so politically correct, and you cannot say anything wrong. If if If, if you do, you're penalized forever. It's just really annoying to me when I see them taking it to this level. You know, that's just the way it is. 
you're you have NFL players playing the game. You don't have no offense, rocket scientists lining up and playing the game. These guys get paid millions and millions of dollars because of their athletic ability, not because they can hold their cool and hold their tongue when they're upset or they're playing a violent sport. I played uh, basketball, baseball, some football and everything, and, and my temper gets the best of me at times too, and I know these guys do as well. So it's just hard to to monitor someone's language. And, and I don't want to go on a soapbox too much, but – I just think the NFL is using this as a scare tactic right now to hope it works because when the money's really on the line, you know, week one when people are placing their wagers, putting their money down, I think the officials will have to step back a little bit. So just just food for thought there, just to, to see what people think about it. And also big news in Clemson, their running back is out for the season. And I, and I just don't know – you know, this this preseason to me feels like it's full of injuries and it's scary every day you read your practice report for your team. You you look out and you see players out for the year, tore their ACL, it's going to miss a lot of time. So what do you all think out there? 646-716-5564. Do you think these, these coaches are going too hard in practice? And, and, you know, if you don't have depth, it could be a problem, but – I look at it. I think you need to practice like you're going to play. I think the if you get hurt, it's just it's just the way it goes. But you go out, you go 100 percent. Because if you don't go 100 percent full contact in practice, how are you going to be able to do it in the game? And and that's where I, as a coach, the mentality you have to have is you practice like you're going to play. And I know it sucks. It's it's risky. We heard Ray Green, the high school coach, come out there come on the show a couple of weeks ago and what he said was they had players playing both ways they didn't have the numbers but in practice they would hit the crap out of each other so that's one thing that that he has to do you have to have that toughness about you you have to be able to go out there and win the game I don't care if you if you have a bunch of pansies on your team that never hit during practice because they didn't want to get hurt good chance when that fourth quarter comes they're not going to be ready to to face any kind of adversity whatsoever. So that's just one of the things that we did lose Cuervo. Um, Cuervo, call back in if you get a chance to, 646-716-5564. Man, I call this really, this show, the calm before the storm, really. It's, it's quieting down in college football. Fans are kind of, they're, they're soaking it all in. It's getting close. People are nervous. But starting about this weekend, you're going to start seeing the trash talk start happening a little bit more and things coming back out again. But this is the calm before the storm, and I've, I've said it before and I, every year at this time. It, it's the calm before the storm. Even though I'm not very calm right now, I'm excited. But, I mean, there's a lot of – and I, we said it on this show, there's a lot of preseason polls out there. There's a lot of hype going around that who's ranked number one, who's ranked – Who's going to be in the final four? The bottom line is, who knows? I have no clue. You have no clue. So don't act like you do have a clue because you don't. But it, it gives some interesting reading and discussion, at least when you when you can debate and, and you have good reasons to put it up there. Like I said, Alabama, and I'm, I'm sorry, Alabama fans out there, you know you're not deserving of a number two ranking right now. You're no quarterback. You lost most of your defense. You lost offensive linemen. 
A.J. McCarron was one of the best quarterbacks ever to play at Alabama, and it's just no big deal. We're bringing in the savior of Alabama football, uh, Jacob Coker, a three-star that was offered by South Alabama that, that came on to Florida State and rode the bench. I mean, what makes you think – if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm ashamed if I said anything about Jacob Coker being better than A.J. McCarron. I'm sorry, but – you have to be delusional, delirious, and stupid to even mention that without seeing this kid. He could be, but there's no proof that you have. I've I've watched the films. I've I've seen the footage. I've talked to experts about Jacob Coker, and you know the only experts that are pumping him up are the ones that are Florida State or Alabama. Really, Florida State is they they want to believe that that he's so great because. It makes them look better that they had to get rid of a great All-American quarterback to go help Alabama out. And and I know Jimbo Fisher, if he fails, he's setting Alabama up for failure with this. And you have to you remember one thing about Alabama. Their offensive coordinator is new as well. It's a new system. So you lose Sincere on defense. He's your quarterback on defense. Mosley's a quarterback on defense. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix is gone. A couple others. Right now, the names are slipping my mind. The offensive line, you're breaking in two new people and a signal caller and an offensive coordinator. I mean, come on, guys. Alabama could run the table. I'm not saying they couldn't, but for all the the Bama fans out there and these experts that are just spouting off what ESPN saying and Paul Feinbaum, look, I mean, Alabama shouldn't lose more than three games, but it's not crazy to sit here and think they're going to lose a couple of games. I saw the spring game, and you can't judge it all by the spring game, but I saw an offense, and it could be deep. Alabama's defense is so great, they couldn't get a first down. And some of that is Alabama's offense or defense. I'll admit it's a great front, but they do have some holes in the defense that I think will be able to be improved on as the season goes on because the offenses in the SEC are not as potent this year with all the quarterbacks being gone. But if you look at Alabama, Ron Fowler on Tide 99.1 FM, the game, he, he has concerns about the Tide. And I think they're, they could easily be a playoff team, and I'll probably predict them to be in that final four. But they're going to have to answer some questions. And when you, when you have a stagnant offense, you have a quarterback that really can't make the big throws, you're going to be in trouble. And I know if, even if you have a great defense, look at Florida last year. They had a great defense but an inept offense. And look what happened to them. They're, they're losing to Georgia Southern. Not saying Alabama's going to fall that far because Nick Saban wouldn't allow that to happen. He would strap on pad and helmet to make sure it didn't happen if he had to. But two games in a row last year they lost to Auburn and Oklahoma. And some people say Auburn beat them twice because that's what beat Oklahoma. And I, I believe that more than I would to say that Oklahoma was better than Alabama. Because I do seriously believe had Alabama beaten Auburn and beaten Missouri in the SEC championship game, I think we, the SEC would be counting another national championship. That's how talented they are, they were last year. That's how good A.J. McCarron was. So we'll see this year. This is a chance for Alabama to come out and build another identity. Uh, and come out and play strong. Their schedule sets up nicely. I mean, it's it's very manageable. If you look at Bama's schedule, very, very manageable. West Virginia should be a cakewalk. And then they, they play a cupcake or two, and then they play Florida, 
They do go to Ole Miss and Tennessee. They do host Auburn. They do go to Baton Rouge. So think of those road games, Ole Miss, LSU, and Tennessee. They're not easy. Those are not just give me games right there. So they're going to have to fight. Alabama's going to have to fight to win the West because I do think it's a, a three-team race, really a two. I think it's Alabama or Auburn in the West. I'm not ready to buy Mississippi State or Ole Miss finishing ahead of LSU. I'm just not. You can't ever count out LSU in less miles with all that talent, the way they're coached with Chavis on defense. You can't you can't count them out. LSU will be making some noise. I know they have some questions at quarterback, but they're loaded, loaded, loaded with talent. And Fournette, a great running back, he'll start finding his way. LSU could lose the first game to Wisconsin with the inexperience and the question marks. That's what that's the difference between playing Wisconsin and then playing West Virginia. Alabama with the question marks, it doesn't matter. They're gonna beat West Virginia and they're gonna beat them handily. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be close. Some people think Alabama could struggle on offense. I just really don't think they'll struggle against West Virginia. It's a perfect matchup for Alabama to get out there and be able to to get the rust off and, and hungry. You talk about a team that's gonna be hungry. Losing two games in a row, not being number one this year, and people, believe it or not, are still counting Alabama out in the way. They didn't receive many first-place votes. So Alabama's going to come out, and they're probably going to beat West Virginia by 40 or 50 points. Does that mean the question's answered, that that all the holes are filled on their team? I think not. I think it's going to be a case of power and size and speed. Alabama's got them beat everywhere. Even though West Virginia's fast, they're they're not as fast as Alabama's going to be. Amari Cooper and company, they're going to blow the socks off people at times. But where Alabama could struggle if they don't answer these questions on offense and defense is in a fourth-quarter game on the road or a tight game against a team that can put up points on the defense, um, that's when they could struggle. Alabama's going to beat most teams because they're better. When they get off the bus, they're just a better football team, and that's just the way it's going to be when you're recruiting the number one players every single season like Alabama is. So I'm not bashing the Tide tonight. All I'm wanting you to do is think about it before you just pencil them into the championship. There's some holes and there's some questions. Like I said, you look at the top teams in the country right now. Florida State's returning a quarterback. Auburn's returning a quarterback. Oregon's returning a quarterback. Ohio State was returning a starting quarterback not any longer. And Baylor, you see them returning a quarterback. Teams like that are the ones that I look at preseason. I want to see who your quarterback is, what they did last year. So it's going to be interesting to see what all takes place, what all happens. And uh, I'm just excited. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm pumped up for some college and NFL football. And the NFL coming up, the preseason, I still really can't get into preseason football. I don't know about y'all, but it, it's just real hard for me to to watch it. I, I like to watch it when the younger kids are playing. I could care less about the, the normal starters. I want to see some of the kids that are trying to make the team. That's, that's why I like the show Hard Knocks on HBO. I want to see some of these kids and, and see how they're going to perform, how they're going to win. But you know, Jim Kelly, cancer-free, uh, the old Buffalo Bills quarterback, he had mouth cancer, cancer-free. Kurt Schilling battling the same thing and prayers going up to them. But, guys, college football and NFL is almost here. 
And like I said tonight, we're not getting a lot of callers, and that's fine. It's Wednesday night. I wouldn't have called in if, if I didn't have the show scheduled. I would have uh, went to sleep. I got up so early this morning, I'm about to fall asleep. But Sunday night, like I said, we're going to break down the Florida State Seminoles and the Auburn Tigers. It's going to be an interesting show. We're going to get some experts on to break them down and, and see what they think. And then next Wednesday night, it's going to be the, the show before it all begins. That's when we're going to give our conference predictions and our, our final four projections and who's going to win it all. I'm ready. And, and also, not only that, we'll predict the New Year's Day games. And New Year's Day is not going to be like it's been in years past where you're seeing, you know, the games not evenly matched. It's, these are going to be some great games put together to to New Year's Day. You're getting to sit around the TV and and watch some great football the way it used to be. So we'll see how that goes and how it works out. But I hope everyone in here has a great week and a great weekend, and we will be seeing you Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Until then, uh, just get ready for college football. Have a good week.